Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. It's very common to open your phone or turn on your TV or however you get your news of current events and to come across news of injustice, stories of injustice, pain, suffering, death, violence, or some other heartbreaking situation. Um, in fact, this morning, um, somebody was a little bit naughty last night and uh, drove their vehicle through the fences of our building. If you parked on that side of the building, you would see that some kind of police chase or something happened. I'm not sure what exactly it is. We're going to get down to the bottom of it. There's caution tape all over our lot this morning when we showed up. Um, but it doesn't uh, take a lot of effort to find um, a situation where people have sort of gone off on their own and they're not following God's plan for their life. Um, Whether it's news or we see uh, constantly issues arising in the culture around us. There's people who carelessly damage the earth with no remorse for the, the, you know, this, this, a creation of gods or that damage other people. Um, there's, in the name of progress, there's desire to throw away God-given boundaries around gender and sexuality and morality in order to set people free. Um, the culture uh, being set by, you know, all sorts of different things or people that aren't looking to God to set um, how we should be living for our lives, like it's set by organizations or brands, teachers, professors, the entertainment industry, influencers, on social media, or even other parents at school, friends in college, coworkers, whatever. We have all this stuff swirling around in front of us or on our phones and televisions. And sometimes it can be so tempting to get discouraged by maybe how the culture looks or how people's behavior looks um, that we could think there's nothing we could ever do to change the world. And so maybe the best idea, the best sort of way to live our lives is to isolate ourselves and just care about our own devotion to Jesus and live out our days here on earth. Yet that's an ideal that will never work. You're gonna hear me quote a little bit of C.S. Lewis this morning, a philosopher that has made a personal impact on my life. The reason I love Lewis so much for me personally is as I got into some of his work, it put uh, words to how I felt a lot of times through my life, that words that I couldn't describe. And so I'm gonna use a little bit of his work this morning as we go through this message. But Lewis has an example in mere Christianity, when he talks about this sort of idea that maybe we just need to isolate ourselves and keep to ourselves. And the problem with that is, it's like all of our lives are a bunch of aircrafts. And we're all flying these aircrafts and there's, there's the, you know, the, the followers of Jesus and their aircrafts. And then there's people uh, who don't follow Jesus and their in- aircrafts. And the problem is, is that um, no matter how hard we try, the aircrafts are going to collide. And so we can try and isolate ourselves. The problem is that other people's aircrafts are heading our way. And there's other aircrafts and other, and so we, there's the, the idea of isolation and just living on our own, it just doesn't work. And so as, as tempting as it is to let the world go to hell, it's not really an option. So how do we make the world a better place? Sometimes even as Christians, we can, it can be too easy to rely on secular renewal. And the problem with relying on secular renewal, on on relying on the world to figure itself out, is we're expecting the problem to also be the answer. 
So we're expecting the, the, the politicians to be the answer. They're the problem in the first place. We're expecting famous people or, or athletes to be the answer. Again, a lot of times they're the problem as well. Uh, we're expecting maybe organizations to turn themselves around and bring some kind of renewal. Uh, and, and the problem is the secular renewal is never going to be the answer for our world. Now they can help us renew the culture, but the only way for our world to truly be changed is a renewal of hearts and lives back to our Father. Back to God. When I talk about renewal, it's like this is the season of renewal. Like if there's brown grass everywhere, and if you kind of pull up that brown grass or you rake up that snow mold, you'll see that underneath it, there's already green grass growing. And I believe that's happening in our world today. That God is doing something significant. And we have to decide, are we just gonna let the you know, brown grass sit there or are we gonna be part of raking it up and part of the renewal that God wants to do in his world today. What I love about this word renewal, it's, it's just a reminder of who people belong to in the first place. It says in the Bible that we're predestined for adoption. So when people come to Jesus, they're actually just coming back to where they were supposed to be all along. Spiritual renewal. So how do we do this? There's this old saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. In other words, whenever there's a big intimidating thing, not that, it's such a weird saying, because like who's going to go out after church today and be like, I'm going to need an elephant. Um, but the idea being that if we want to see spiritual renewal in the culture, it happens one person at a time. And in order for that spiritual deep renewal to happen, it has to start in the church. We can't take people where we have not been. If we want to see a renewed world, we better be a renewed people. This intro is taking significantly longer than I thought it would. Um, and if you guys could give me like 10 extra minutes, I would appreciate it. I'm legitimately serious this morning. Um, just, I'm, I'm going to wait till you guys fix that clock until you give me 10 more minutes. Um, Thank you, Ben, whenever that clock gets fixed. I appreciate you. Um, in the Bible, David has this beautiful scripture of renewal. And sort of, I'll give you some of the context of the story. You probably know it. But David uh, sleeps with Bathsheba. He gets her pregnant, ends up killing her husband. And the prophet Nathan comes and he calls David out on his sin. And David knows that it's time to renew to God. You guys went the other way on the clock. You just took off 10 minutes. <laughs> that is not funny, guys. No, another 10. I need another 10. You just reset it. There you go. Thank you. All right, let's get into the message this morning. And David knows that it's time to return to God. He understands his need for renewal after Nathan calls him out. And it's easy to focus on the story in 2 Samuel about what David did wrong and Nathan calling him out. But then um, Nathan writes, or sorry, David writes Psalm 51 and he's crying out to God after he's been confronted.
love. According to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt, and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You're blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. David has a clear understanding that he messed up here. And Nathan reveals it to him in in 2 Samuel. And he comes to this place in Psalm 51, this beautiful place of humility, where he says, God, be gracious with me. Wash away my guilt. Cleanse me of my sin. My sin is always before me. David is very aware of his need for renewal. And if we're going to see a renewal in our lives, we must be aware of our need for renewal. We lose the joy of our salvation often because we forget the need for our salvation even though it's put in front of us. Like we know the words, but does it, do we have it, do we hold it at a place in our heart? And later on in Psalm 51, he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. There's so much joy at the beginning when someone first comes to know Jesus. You know, have you ever, you ever noticed that when somebody's like first come into relationship with him? So beautiful. And as time goes on, We become distant from the broken mess that we once were, and we start to become familiar with the broken mess that we currently are. And then temptation is to think so highly, too too highly of ourselves than we ought to. And then we mess up, and we excuse that mess up, um, the the ongoing thoughts and habits or whatever it is, um, because oftentimes we get things in our lives that God didn't want there and they become like old friends to us. Thoughts, habits, way of, ways of living. And you start to lose the joy of your salvation. I, I'll put it to you this way. When, as, as my children, this is, as my children get older, the, the older ones, they start to become a little bit more entitled. They've had some experience. They've had some good times. They've had some bad times, but they start to become more entitled. Like they expect that life is supposed to go a certain way for them. But the baby, the baby's just happy to be there. Like the baby's just happy to be alive. Like she's just like, I'm just there, I'm good, everything's good. And I think sometimes that this can happen if we're not careful in our walk with God. Maturity in Christ is being able to zoom out and see the cracks in the person that you are and say to God, I know I'm not perfect, but you're covering my weakness and you're loving me anyway. Staying soft towards him and staying soft towards people. Like David, surely I was sinful at birth. I'm a mess. Thank you, God, for your salvation. The joy of our salvation. Uh, maybe this is another way to put it is like renewing wedding vows. Like why do people renew wedding vows? I, I always thought it was silly. But I think that often when you talk to people about renewing wedding vows, it's that they're, they're going back to that moment when they first kind of made this commitment to each other because that, mo- that moment is so beautiful because they have so much perspective in that moment because they know what life was like alone. 
And it starts to give them perspective of, wow, now uh, together, like my life is so much better with this person. And that's why people renew their wedding vows. They, they want to get that perspective again. I think that sometimes we just need a, a renewal of our vows to Christ, a renewal of that a vow of salvation, reflecting why we met him in the first place. In 2 Samuel, um, when Nathan is... Uh, calling David out on this, 2 Samuel 12. It says, then Nathan said to David, you are the man, after he gives him this example. He says, you're the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I've delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave, you your master, I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I give you all of Israel and Judah and all and if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. And then he says this, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? So I think we lose the joy of our salvation because we become familiar with our sin and his forgiveness of it. And we forget what's evil in God's eyes. For David, it was really easy to see that he had done something wrong because it was so big and evil. And what happens to us is we almost ease ourselves into the hot tub of socially acceptable and easily hideable sin that we forget how badly we need the mercy and the grace of God that David is begging for in Psalm 51. If your life is anything like mine. If we're going to see personal renewal, we must begin by remembering God's grace and mercy towards us. We want to see a cultural renewal renewal. So our desire is that those around us would experience renewal as well. And it can happen. I'm telling you, renewal can happen. If you don't believe me, ask an alpha leader. I love talking to our alpha leaders that led this last semester. They had, I don't know how many people in, in alpha this semester, but it was incredible. And talking to some of the leaders, they're so passionate and excited about the renewal they're seeing in people's lives. We want to see the culture renewed back to God, but it always starts with us. One by one, realizing how far from God we become and seeking a renewed awakening of his grace in our lives. It's not until you get out of the hot tub and you start to cool down that you realize how hot the water really was. And I think that that sort of happens with our life as well. It gives us perspective. The reason David is awake and aware of God's grace is his humility towards God. He's so aware of his issues. Blot out my rebellion. Wash away my guilt. Cleanse me of my sin. Against you, I have sinned. It's this humility that David brings. And Lewis also says that the center of Christian morals is humility. That at the center of all of this, it's, it's humility. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Did you know that you're dying? Kind of morbid. Um, but I actually started to think about life this way a little bit. Like every day, I'm dying. Wow, what a joy it is to live on this earth. And you are too. Though we don't lose heart. Because outwardly, yes, we're wasting away. But inwardly, we can be, re be renewed day by day. And I think sometimes 
the dysfunction that we get into is that we read this scripture, we are renewed Sunday by Sunday. Can I tell you, no 35-minute message will ever take you where you need to go with God? That we're renewed day by day. So what does that mean? If you want to go deeper in your walk with God, there has to be a practice of daily renewal. It, it can never rely on our time here together as much as we love it and as much as it impacts us and it shifts us. There has to be a practice of daily renewal. Like we're, we're encouraged though. Outwardly, we are wasting away. Inwardly, we are be, being renewed day by day. It's sort of just a reminder of where our forever home is. And as we seek that inner renewal, we're finding our home in him and developing an eternal kingdom that we one day go and see. Where we lay ourselves down, we humble ourselves before the only one who can offer the mercy and grace that we so desperately need. So if you want to know God closer, you need to read his word. But how you read it makes all the difference. And so it's... I think it's, it's an oversimplification to just say you need to read the word every day. Because like so often, people will say to me like, oh, I, I tried and it's, it's so, I don't know, I'm just not getting anything out of it. And as I thought about this concept today, I, I don't think that this, this will cover every person's issue with, with their Bible or make the Bible come alive for every person. But I think often this is a trap that we can get into is that, we are reading the word in a way that, almost, that actually separates us from God. How, how is that so? Because I think as we, if the center of Christian morals is, is humility, then the enemy would want, to, um, would want us to have pride operating in our lives. And he can actually do that through how we read the word. Because we, we can read the word like this. We can read the word and go, oh, wow. I just, no, oh, this is amazing. I'm, I'm doing these things that Jesus says. This is incredible. I'm, this is, I'm doing this. I'm, oh, it's, yes, I'm, I am like this person. Yeah, I'm becoming like this. But you know who's not? My friend over here. My friend Adam here, my brother-in-law. I, I don't see him. I don't see him doing this. Right? We start to almost prop ourselves up a little bit. Like, oh, this is amazing. And, and, and we're actually, how we read the word is actually driving us away from God. And so what, if we want to go deeper in our walk with him, we actually have to read the word like this. That when we open our Bible, we're like, God, call me out on my mess. I am surrounded by garbage. The culture has gotten into me at times. God, would you call me out? Would you convict me? God, would you show me where I've missed it? And, and as we read the word, we actually begin to humble ourselves and look up and go, God, you're so big. This is what you can do? Your, your son raised from the dead? Are you kidding me? And oh, you are the, I am the vine, you're the branches. Oh yes, I'm gonna remain. I'm gonna remain in you, God. Wow, then I'll, I'll, I'll bear much fruit. I don't, I don't remain in myself. I remain in you, Lord. And apart from you, I can do nothing. You start to look up. It starts to humble you and you get perspective and it starts to do something in your heart, in your life. You start to see these changes happen. If you want to re be renewed, 
how you read the word makes a massive difference. If humility is how we are renewed, then pride is the goal of our enemy below. Pride is a more socially acceptable sin in the Christian culture. And the reason that we might not get to the place where David did in Psalm 51 is our own pride. Pride is spiritual arrogance. And it was through pride that the devil became the devil. And because pride is, is just, like when you, when you have pride in your life, you can't know God. Because pride is so far from his nature that it separates us from him. And if you feel like maybe something has come between you and God, the first step would be repentance and humility. When you have pride, you're constantly looking down on people. Like I said, looking down. Elevating ourselves. But a right relationship with God requires us to look up. God, you're incredible. You've done all this for me. God, that you would actually give me purpose in life and use me as messed up and as silly as I can be sometimes. As long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. You cannot have pride and know God. So how do we figure out if there's pride in us? I, 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 this, is, this is part of it, but how I was reading that example I was giving is, is part of it, but I think we have to ask ourselves this question. Does your spiritual life make you feel that you are good? Like, huh, I'm pretty good. This is, yeah, I prayed, read my Bible, I'm a pretty good person. Does it make you feel like the people around you are lucky to have you in their life? Like, yeah, yeah, these guys are lucky to have me. Or does your spiritual life make you feel that you're better than someone else? Like I was talking about. Does it, when you open the word or when you pray, does it make you feel like, oh, thank God I'm so much better than, than Adam over here? That maybe you're not the best, but you're certainly better than the guy down the street. When you start to experience these things, when you're in your time in scripture, you can be sure like that when, you're, when you start to experience these feelings, like your time in scripture is like making you a better person and uh, you're better than the one next to you, you can be sure that you're hearing from the devil, not from God. So how do we know when we're truly experiencing humility? Lewis says this, the real test of being in the presence of God is that you either forget about yourself altogether or you see yourself as a small, dirty object. It's better to forget about yourself altogether. A healthy spiritual life gives us perspective on how big and how good God is. That when we're in his presence, we're like, God, we just want all of you, less of us. And pride is scary because it's this subtle, deadly little sin, so much more subtle and deadly than a lot of other sins. But the reason that God can continue to work in David's life is David's humble response to his failure. Again, in Mere Christianity, Lewis labels pride as the great sin. And he understood that if, one, if this one sin could creep its way in, it would hold us back more than any other. But if we humble ourselves like David, we see the renewal and the restoration that took place in his life take place in ours. 
Humility is about taking the focus off ourselves and placing it on God, looking up. Humble people won't be focused on how humble they need to be because they'll be focused, they won't be focused on themselves at all. I'll quote Lewis one more time. He says, if you don't think you have pride, you probably have more than most. And the reality of it is, I think that most people would never get to the place that David got to in Psalm 51, where they're crying out to God like this because they're too busy justifying their own actions. Well, God, why'd you make her look so beautiful? Okay, Bathsheba saw her taking a bath and she baloo my mind. But this is, this is what happens when stuff like creeps its way into our lives because um, we, we justify sin. If we gossip, we call it venting. If we're gluttonous, we call it therapy. David tried this too. He tried to justify it, cover it up. He, he killed Bathsheba's husband in this mess. But eventually we all have to come to this place of repentance and confession. And if we don't do it, our sin finds us out. That's what it says in his word. And, and there's proof here uh, because God sends Nathan. Nathan walks in and thank God for the Nathans in our lives. We justify it so we don't have to face God and humble ourselves like David did. But let's call it what it is and realize that there is sin spilling out of the pores of our life almost at all times. And we have no hope unless we look up, unless we allow God's spirit to convict and renew us. If you don't humble yourself, you don't get this chance for renewal and restoration like David got. Let's pause for a quick moment and let's talk about some of the myths of pride. Uh, pride is not enjoying being complimented for who you are or what, or what you've done. That's okay. Like, you don't have to be like, oh, you know, don't compliment me. I don't want any pride in my life. Um, when people acknowledge our strengths and where we do well, it's okay to enjoy it. That's fine. It is not um, a sin to be proud of someone either. Like, if you're proud of your kids, your friends for doing something, you're like, like it's not like we have to be like, okay, don't say you're proud of them anymore. Say, you know, God worked in your life today. Like, you, you can say you're proud of someone. Uh, when we're impressed with someone, it's not a sin to be proud of someone. Um, we don't have to be humble for them. That's their job. Um, we, can, we can say we're proud of someone. And pride isn't, number three, is pride isn't a sin because God is insecure. It's not like God's like, oh, I'm so prideful. I can't handle it when my children are prideful. This sucks. Um, God's not scared that we think well, we're better than him. God wants to know you. He wants to give himself to you. And it's when you get to know him that his, his presence humbles you. He humbles you. Coming into his presence does not make us feel better than the next person. Instead, it makes us realize how good he is, how much we need his mercy and his grace. I think sometimes that in our um, relationship with others, 
But sometimes it's not that we don't see our sin. Sometimes we actually see a lot of how messy we are and a lot of how, how much we've messed up and how like unqualified we are for where we are at certain times. Or like maybe in social situations, like you just feel like, man, I can't fit in with these people. They're so awesome and I'm not. And what happens is as we go through life, you almost start to put like a, a tuxedo or a ball gown on. Like, because you don't want people to see the real you. Anybody like ever get caught at the grocery store, like in the real you clothing, you know, like in, in your Saturday stuff? Um, yeah, it's like a, a mess. Like, you're just like, what, what is wrong with me? Like, why do I dress like this? But this is the real me. And sometimes I, I feel like that we put on these tuxedos or these ball gowns for other people. And then we forget to take them off for God. And so we come to him like, but he knows what's under that. And renewal starts by taking off the tuxedo, the ball gown and saying, God, like, I'm giving you the real me. And when you experience him, you allow him to see the real you. Confessing to him what's been going on, how you've been feeling. And if we're going to shift the culture around us, which like, it is up to us. You ever, like, have a, something happen at your job or, like, in your family, like, on a, like a, um, like a, fat, what are those things called when all the family gets together? Reunion. Um, you ever, like, get together in these moments and you go, like, how is this my job to, like, fix something? You know what I mean? Like, you're, like, at work, you're, like, how is this my job? It's, like, I think, um, or, you know, like, nobody set the table at the family and everybody's talking. You're just, like, how is this my job? I guess I could figure it out. That's what I was trying to say. Um, I think sometimes like we can get, uh, we can get a, an attitude like that towards the world of us like, oh, how is this my job to correct this mess? And it's just like, you know what? It's, it's Christ in you that everywhere you go, you bring the Holy Spirit with you. Thank God for you. Thank God for your street where everybody's a mess, but the Holy Spirit's there because of you. Thank God for your workplace where it's like people are slamming each other left and right, but you show up and you bring the Holy Spirit there. Thank God for your business that you started and every day you're intentional about ensuring that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God goes with me to this business every single day and I can change the world one person at a time. It looks big and messy, but thank God he's doing something. personally and corporately. It starts with us. Why isn't the world getting better? Well, it never will on its own. It relies on compelling missional disciples to go and bring the renewal that's happened in us into the world. But we gotta be first renewed ourselves. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationemmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.